Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. As I'm recording this episode of the podcast, in the church we are beginning the season of Pentecost, that time in which we celebrate God's gift of the Holy Spirit, we look at what it means for us as disciples of Jesus Christ, and we also speculate as to why God gave us that gift in the first place. There's actually a lot that can be said as to why God sent this gift to us, but at the very heart of it all is this one simple truth that our Lord wants us to hear Him. It's that truth that's also at the heart of today's message, which is based on the story of Pentecost that comes from Acts chapter 2, but also from the Gospel according to John, chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. It's a message entitled, Can You Hear Me Now? And it begins with a little bit of history regarding cell phones. These days, they are so much a part of our daily lives. It is easy to forget that the cellular phones on which we so greatly depend were not always that dependable. Oh, sure. Now they're considered to be smartphones. They have cameras. They have music players. They hook up to Wi-Fi. You can go somewhere and get onto a hotspot. And there are apps, applications, that let you play games, watch movies, and do your banking sometimes all at the same time. You can even, by the way, record worship services for later use on a pastoral podcast when everything else goes south on the live stream. It's called Love to Tell the Story, by the way. This rapidly increasing technology and its convenience for all our lives is amazing, I'll admit. You can't help but wonder at all these little phones can do. But let's not forget that it wasn't all that long ago when you were lucky to complete a simple phone call without the signal dropping or the voice on the other end sounding basically unintelligible. Now, early on, this was a good 15 years ago now, our family discovered that the place we needed our cell phones the most, which is up to our cottage in, in northern Maine, was pretty much useless as far as a decent signal was concerned. Interestingly enough, there was a cell phone tower nearby on what they call Maine Mountain on there, but our camp is on the wrong side of the hill, so it didn't pick up that signal. So to, any, to get any kind of reception at all, we either had to stand on one foot at one spot up on the hill in our driveway, or else lean our bodies out as far as we could from the edge of the dock over the water. No joke. Now I should add here that uh, over the years, little by little it has gotten better. Though last summer, we actually ended up installing a signal booster on the porch roof so that we could no longer be forced to sit out on the deck in the pouring rain in order to make a phone call. So, there we were. We, you know, cell phones may have increased in technology, 
but at least in our case, it didn't increase in quality for a long while. All in all, we were, you see, the personification of that commercial. You might remember from a few years back, you know the one I'm talking about, in which the 20-something with the horn-rimmed glasses wanders through various and sundry locales, shopping malls, the highway, beaches, even a, a swamp with alligators, as I recall, and he had an ever-present cell phone pressed against his ear, and he asked the question over and over again. Can you hear me now? Good. Can you hear me now? Good. Can you hear me now? Good. The idea of it, of course, is that where your wireless connection is concerned, it is essential to be clearly heard and understood wherever you happen to be making that call. And it's true, I'll admit. Whether the message you're trying to convey is one of great urgency or it's just a casual conversation you want to have, you want it to be heard, and you want it to be heard clearly. Devoid of interference, devoid of static, without it dropping at odd places on Interstate 95, you don't want noise. You don't want anything that will interfere with the transmission of the message. And I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. There are few things more annoying and frustrating when you're trying to talk to a friend or a family member about something important and the call suddenly drops, usually a couple of minutes before you've stopped talking. So it's no surprise when we keep on asking, like that guy in the commercial, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Because if the answer is yes, then that's a very good thing indeed. And therein, it seems to me, friends, lies an important parable for our lives. The fact is, communication is one of the most important facets of our lives and living because we all want to be heard and understood by those around us. And moreover, each of us wants to hear and to understand with the utmost clarity. <clears throat> now, as a pastor, friends, I can vouch for the fact that whether you're talking about a problem in your relationship with a spouse or amongst family members, or if you're dealing with some kind of conflict within any kind of community you can name, Communication, or probably more to the point, the lack thereof, usually lies at the heart of whatever issue it is that's involved. In other words, for all the talking that goes on in matters such as these, if what's being said is not being heard with clarity and understanding, then those words, however kind or firm or assertive, end up full of static and interference and really end up communicating very little. As William Shakespeare famously put it, those words are full of sound and fury, signifying accomplishing nothing. And truthfully, and I think you'll agree with me here, for things like resolution, forgiveness, reconciliation, peace, love, for things like that to happen in our lives and in this world, first off, we need to hear what's being said. 
in an article that was actually written in the days just after 9-11, pastor and author by the name of Timothy Merrill made the assertion that in fact the people of this present age are, quote, fed up with static and interference, unquote. That was written almost 20 years ago, but it still applies in spades. Merrill writes that when you live in such difficult and divisive times as these, and you're trying to get by as all the while you're trying to develop your own personal plot line for life, when you're desperately looking for a container for your joy, when you're living with wars and rumors of war, you would love it if someone, anyone, would pick up the white courtesy telephone and make a small connection that validates you, affirms you, gives you hope. To put this another way, each one of us wants to, and needs to hear and understand the good news for our lives and living. We want to hear the message that we are loved, that we belong, that we are valued beyond measure. We want to hear the word that whatever else lies out there on the unknown horizon of the future, we can rest assured that we have unending hope, enduring power, and a relentless love that will transform us and bring us joy. We want to hear, we want to understand what life and even more so, what faith in an infinitely loving and graceful God is all about. And isn't that, friends, ultimately the gift of Pentecost? I would say it is. What is the Holy Spirit, if not God's way of speaking to you and to me with the kind of clarity that we yearn for? As Myron read to us, the spirit of truth that comes guiding us into all truth. As Jesus himself promised his disciples and us, all that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. It's what God always does. Reaching out and reaching in to us as an act of divine self-communication doing everything possible that we might hear and receive his word with utmost clarity, even in the sound like the rush of a violent wind on the streets of Jerusalem, so that we might truly know what it is to be loved by God and what it is to live out of the freedom that love brings. A few years back, I was... Uh, doing some premarital counseling for a couple who were going to be married in the church that I was serving at the time. However, I got to tell you, the counseling itself had become next to impossible, not because they were unwilling to meet with me, but because in the weeks and months before their wedding, they were actually living on opposite sides of the Atlantic Ocean. That's right. The bride was from Sugar Creek, Ohio. And the groom lived in Northern Ireland. They'd met online. Their courtship had taken place online and in person. And now they were getting married. And, but they still were living in, in different countries. 
And combine that with the fact that at the time, nothing like Zoom or Google Meet existed then. And though, as I recall, they did have cell phones, international plans weren't really a thing as of yet. And so the logistics of planning a wedding, say nothing of meeting with the minister, was pretty much a nightmare. But thanks to frequent flyer miles, friends, they pulled it off. And I remember at the time, as they sat in my office, asking them how they could possibly be managing all of the countless little details that come with getting ready for a wedding day. And the groom said, let's put it this way, Pastor. Our phone bill is higher than the cost of the wedding. <laughs> I love that. But actually, and I think I said this to them at the time, I would add to this the fact that this is what people in love do, right? They always want to be with each other, no matter where they are or what they're doing. And they find whatever way they can to talk to each other. They'll spend long hours on the phone, day and night. They will email, they will text, they will do whatever. Because talking and listening to, by any means we have at our, our disposal, is one primary way of sharing who we are with that person we love. Well, think of that as a parable, and you realize this is how God is with us. William Willimon writes, in fact, that, quote, if the Bible's testimony is as true as we believe it to be, then our God is relentlessly, unceasingly self-communicative. There is something about God, Willimon says, that loves to address and be addressed by humanity. And we can call it love. See, at the very heart of it all, this is what happened on the day of Pentecost. That day when God's own spirit descended upon a group of ordinary, frail, and hesitant people, enabling them to speak about God's deeds of power in languages other than their own, and to begin at last to live the life that prophecy had foretold and that Jesus himself had promised. A life of visions and dreams. Visions and dreams set forth by God himself. Visions and dreams that would live and grow over time. Visions and dreams that would come to their fullness and fruition in the kingdom of heaven. And though some were skeptical about what the ruckus was all about on the streets of Jerusalem that morning, certainly there were those ready to dismiss what was happening as not enough reference and too much celebration. But there were far more who recognized what was happening for what it really was. Yet another way that God was relentlessly speaking to his people, asking his people again and again and again. Can you hear me now? Good. Can you hear me now? Good. See, that's an important <clears throat> truth for us to recognize. <clears throat> you see, too often, I think, you and I end up, when we think about this, talking about our search for God, about our attempts through prayer and meditation and spiritual discipline to become closer to God, as though God is merely someone to be found or wholly something to be achieved. Now, 
don't get me wrong here, friends. There is great value, as Isaiah says it, in our seeking the Lord while he may be found, to calling upon him while he is near. But the good news of Scripture, the good news of our Christian faith, is that God, through Jesus, and now by the gift of his Holy Spirit, is relentless and searching for us, to seeking us out. And God is utterly determined to get close to us no matter what. It's a, it's a determination to communicate that is sometimes so strong that it will scare us to death by its intensity, but oftentimes so gentle as to be almost imperceptible, yet palpable in a way that it moves us along pathways we wouldn't even have considered being possible before. Actually, the Reverend Barbara Brown Taylor, in a book of hers entitled Bread of Angels, says this beautifully in describing what it is to receive the Holy Spirit. Breathe, she says, deeply. Receive your life as a gift invisible as air and prepare to be astonished by all the forms that breath can take. Under the power of the Holy Spirit, shy people have been known to step up onto platforms and say audacious things. Cautious people have become daredevils. Frugal people have become philanthropists. And people who used to be as sour as dill pickles have become rich with friends. There is no limit to what the Holy Spirit can do, Taylor writes. Some people call it intuition. Others call it inspiration. But forever and ever, the church has called it a Holy Spirit. It is a gift of God, beloved, the blessing God bestows upon us by being so communicative, so talkative, and so self-revealing that our lives will never be the same upon hearing it. It's fitting, I think, that the day of Pentecost is actually also known and thought of as the birthday of the church. For when we are truly sensitive to God's spirit and God's word and vision for us and our life and times, we are indeed the church working together to tell the good news of Christ as the spirit gives us ability and doing the work of the kingdom before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. And I do believe, friends, with all my heart, that whatever other struggles, difficulties, and divisions we are facing individually and collectively, when we calm ourselves long enough to be listening for the clear, pristine, and unalloyed voice of the Lord's Spirit, when we are willing to seek to follow where the Spirit leads, we will be enabled to speak words, live lives, and do ministry in ways fuller and more beautifully than anything we can ever think, ask, or imagine. And you know what? That's crucial. Because even now, God's Holy Spirit is moving in and through our lives and our living. It's moving in and around all these camps chairs and all the hearts that are dwelling upon them. 
It's warming our hearts. It's opening our minds. It's leading us forward. And all the while warming our hearts, even as it asks us the same question over and over again. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Good. Thanks be to God for the gift of his Holy Spirit and just how very good it is. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, Can You Hear Me Now? It was recorded as part of our May the 23rd Pentecost Sunday outdoor and online service of worship at East Church, where, by the way, you are always invited to join us live each and every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, either in person or via Facebook Live on our East Congregational Church Facebook page. Very soon now, we'll be easing back into in-person worship, and we would love it if you were a part. And with that, we come to the close of another episode of this Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, and two years and 146 episodes later, I really have to thank you once again for listening to and supporting this podcast. I cannot even begin to tell you how much I have appreciated that and appreciate you being here. And so, until episode 147 is posted, stay safe, be well, And may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.